Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. You know, something we've all become familiar with in recent times is the idea of a suicide bomber. Now, it's a totally irrational, crazy idea. Why would somebody in their right mind strap a bomb to themselves and go on a bus, march into a crowd, go into a building, and then ignite the bomb knowing that they were going to destroy themselves as well? We understand war, as gruesome and horrible as it is, But why would somebody do that? Well, the reason somebody does that is because in their minds, they've given themselves to a higher power. They've given themselves, they've consecrated themselves, they're making a sacrifice of themselves. Now, you know what? As much as we might disdain it, it's powerful. Somebody interviewed Osama bin Laden after 9-11, and he basically said this. He said, talking about the West, talking about America in particular, he said, you may have more money, you may have more arms, you may have more soldiers, you may have more of everything, but we have something you don't have. You love life. We love death. We don't care if we die. We don't care if we lose our lives in this cause. And because of that, we will win in the end. It may take several generations, but we will win in the end. Now, you know what? I look at that and I think, That's horrible. That is dreadful. But you know there's an element of truth in it. The person who's got something, a cause that's worth more to them than their lives itself, is sure to win in the end. Because you can't fight with that. How can you fight against that? In the end, eventually, they've got the high card. Now I want to bring that into Christianity for you. God calls us to consecrate ourselves, to yield ourselves to him completely. I'm I'm not sure, you know, that although we look at in its context, although we hear about the idea of consecration, I'm not sure that the, the reality of it ever actually really gets to us. I'm not sure that the idea of giving myself to him so completely that I don't matter is something that we really actually get to. And I think because we don't, we kind of skim the surface of Christianity. You know, we bounce off the surface because our consecration is not that deep. Our consecration is not in the place where we're willing to do whatever for him. I read about a college professor <clears throat> that prayed this prayer. He said, <clears throat> and it's kind of a strange prayer. He said, Lord, feel free to make yourself famous at my expense. <clears throat> what he was saying is, God, you can do whatever you like with me as long as it brings glory to your name. Now, I wonder, could we honestly pray that? I wonder, could we honestly say, Lord, you can do whatever you like with me? Now, think about it. That might mean sickness. Sickness might be what he does with you. That that might mean loneliness. That, That might mean shame. It's not a case of when we choose his glory that it's always going to mean that we shine. Jesus didn't shine. Jesus suffered. Suffered greatly to bring glory to the Father. I wonder, are we really up for it? Now, I should tell you this at this point. Uh, The guy thought about it for a while, though, and he added this onto his prayer. And he said this. He said, and I know you'll take care of me in it. Because that's always true. God always takes care of us in it. God always looks after us. But there really needs to be a willingness on our part 
to make him more important than we are so that whatever he brings into our lives is okay because it's about him, not about us. All right, let's read our verse and then we'll pray. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Father in heaven, would you bless us now as we look to your word. Lord, we are feeble, frail souls. Lord, uh, we live uh, on a planet that demands our attention, our time, our efforts, and Lord, very often we're very much attached to it. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you move in our hearts, Lord? Would you address our thinking in this area and help us to see it from your perspective? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Opening... The opening of the phrase that he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And Paul is writing a letter. So, you know, when you write a letter, it's not these just disjointed little chapters that we take it as being. It's a letter. It has a flow. You know, what he said in the beginning, he's referring back to now. He says, according to the mercies of God. And let me just rehearse. You'll have read them at some point in Romans, but let me just rehearse some of the mercies of God he's talking about. First of all, he's talking about justification, including pardon, removal of sins from us, trespasses, never to be reckoned with, a standing in Christ, being made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize that everybody in this room is going to spend eternity in one, one of two places, either heaven or hell? That's the reality. And there's not a blessed good thing you can do to change that in your life. We often think if we clean up our act and get it right and do right and so on, we can, uh, we can just change things for ourselves. We can't. It's impossible. We can't fix our problem of sin. That's absolutely impossible. The only way for our problem with sin to be fixed is justification through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he did it. He did it. We're going to heaven riding on his coattails. We're going to heaven because of what he did. Nothing we did at all. He gave himself for us so that we could go to heaven. And today, listen, you may know the riches and the glory of going to heaven. It may be the reality of your life. It may be the end of the road for you, and you know it. But you know what? It's all because of what he did. He gave himself for you. We are creatures of habit in our thinking that what happens is after a while of something, no matter how glorious it is, it becomes mundane. It becomes just the norm. You know, millionaires don't wake up every morning and think to themselves, I'm so happy I'm a millionaire. They're just millionaires. They go and pay the bills and do the the job and live just the way you and I do. And when it comes to the glory of salvation, pretty rapidly we accept it as just being, yeah, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Get shoved in our back pocket and we carry on with life without remembering. No, hang on a minute. I'm saved. I'm saved because of what he did. He is my glory. He is the one that did it for me. <clears throat> and we need to remember that because he's going to ask something of us based upon these mercies. Based upon what he's already done for us, he's going to ask something of us. We have identification. <clears throat> We're taken out of Adam by death. With Christ, we're dead to sin of the law, and now we're in Christ. I mean, that's, 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 that's a whole deep thing. <clears throat> when you got eternal life, uh, you know, you, you didn't get your life extended. Eternal goes backwards and forwards at the same time. When you got eternal life, what you got is you got the life of God. It's his life that he plugged you into. You got plugged into Jesus. You got plugged into his life. Now, 
Creatures of time that we are, <clears throat> I'm not sure we can really get our heads around that. But we got plugged in to the eternal life of God. We are under grace, not under the law. Can you imagine living in the Old Testament with all those laws hanging out of you that you had to keep to be right with God? Can you imagine just the pressure of all those laws? I mean, it would dry you out. And it did. It dried them out and made them mean. But you're under grace. This glorious thing where God has given you grace, God's enabling power to live right in this day, his Holy Spirit to stand beside you and to, to, and to show you the way. Listen, <clears throat> if you're under grace, not under the law, you have the spirits indwelling, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And, <clears throat> you know, that it just doesn't happen. We're, we're sons, we're, <clears throat> we have, we're heirs. We have help in infirmity. Now, all these things are in Romans that I'm, that I'm referring to. We have help in infirmity and <clears throat> any present sufferings on our way to share Christ's glory. Uh, we are, are promised the final conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. That we're going to be like him. That'd be a great day, wouldn't it? That'd be a great day when we're all like Jesus. Yet, there's no differences in heaven because we're all like Jesus. That'll be a great day. That'll be a wonderful day. <clears throat> We've got coming glory beyond comparison with any present sufferings. And Paul said that, for I reckon that the, uh, <clears throat> that the glory that's coming is more than any of the suffering I'm going through. And he was suffering. But the glory that was coming to him was better than any of it. <clears throat> there's no separation possible. God loved us uh, <clears throat> in Christ. and there's, there's, there's no breaking that love. And then we have confidence in God's faithfulness confirmed by his revealed plan for the nation of Israel. So, you know, when God asks us to consecrate ourselves, he's not just coming to, you know, meeting you on the street and saying to you, listen, uh, I'd like you to give yourself to me. He's got history. He's got background put into it. He's got a lot that he's put into this thing so that he's put all of this into you. And he says, now I want you to consecrate yourself to me. In light of all that I've done, <clears throat> by the mercies of God, by, in light of all these mercies, I want you to consecrate yourself to me. And it's very reasonable that we should. Listen, if some guy, because of a misguided notion of religion, can strap a bomb to himself and blow himself up, don't you think we should be willing to really give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, that poor guy is operating in, <clears throat> in a vacuum because he doesn't know what's facing him. He doesn't know. He's just fired up on a cause. We're not fired up on a cause. We have a Savior that's demonstrated his love, that's giving himself, that's shown us his love, that's demonstrated his power in our lives. Don't you think that we should be willing to give ourselves to him? Don't you think that we should be willing to yield our lives to him? <clears throat> See what he asked. He says, present your bodies. Now, isn't that interesting? He says, present your bodies. Why your body? Our bodies are frail, weak, broken, uh, sick sometimes. They're <clears throat> like all, all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues with our bodies. Why our bodies? Because where your body goes, you go. Everything about you uh, is contained in your body. He's asking for the whole of you. For all of you. Now, we like to compartmentalize our lives, don't we? You know, <clears throat> we have our schedules, and our schedules you know, compartmentalize everything because, you know, we have times for doing this and we have times for sleeping and times for eating and times for working and times for play and all the rest of it. We have, come, we, we, we have schedules that break our lives into different compartments. But God says, no compartments. I want it all. I want you to give yourself to me completely. No. 
let me, let me just <clears throat> remind you. That does, mean he's, does not mean God's going to take all the fun out of your life. The best fun you've ever had is when you're doing what God would have you to do. The sweetest times in your life have been those times when you've been yielded and submitted to him. The sweetest times any man or woman on this planet ever has are times when they're yielded to him. Those are the sweetest times. Those are the best times. But he does ask you for something radical. He asks you to give yourself to him. Completely. Lock, stock, and barrel. He wants it all. On the basis of what he's done for you, he wants it all. He wants you to give yourself to him. Now, obviously, he's not going to force you. Obviously, he's not going to step in and make you do that. But that's what he wants. And here's what we've come to know of him. What he wants is always best for us. Have you, have you come to understand that? That what he wants in your life is always the best thing. That what he asks you for is always the best thing. Even though it might seem like it's going to cost you greatly, it's still the best thing. But he wants it all. He wants you to present yourself to him. He wants you to come <clears throat> and give yourself to him. That's your body, your soul, your spirit, everything. All that in you is. He wants it to be his. If we were to look at it from a human perspective, we would look at it as being a bond slave. Now, there's a slave. A slave is somebody who is owned by another person, and they have no rights of their own because they're owned by that person. Right? And a bond slave was somebody who had voluntarily given themselves to the other person and said, I want to be your slave. I want to live under your roof. I want you to take care of me, and you can own me, and I will do whatever you want me to do. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be his bond slaves. He wants us to be a people who voluntarily give ourselves to him to take care of. Now, we so prize independence in our day and age that the thought of that is really abhorrent to us. The thought of giving ourselves to anyone is a part because we want to have our own way and do our own thing. We're not very good at it, but we do want it. We want to run the show ourselves. We want to do our own thing. Now, when we come to Christ, we're, we're willing to yield and give him some stuff. We'll definitely give him our problems. Well, we have no problem with that, do we? All the problems in our lives, you know, uh, addictions and financial problems and sickness and all those issues, we have no problem giving them to him. Right? But we're glad for him to take those off us, and, and we, we, we want to give. But, and there are certain things we'll give to him. Well, we'll come to church. That's a good thing. We'll come to church and we'll praise his name, and that, that, that's a good thing. But, you know, what we do is we divide it up and we limit it at a certain point. Thus far, and no further. That's all you're getting, God. We don't say it in those terms, but it's thus far and no further. Now, that presents a problem for us. Presents a problem for God, obviously, but it presents a problem for us. Because what we end up with is we end up with a life that's sort of dedicated to God and sort of run by us. Right? <clears throat> you, you, you've got this throne where uh, really the, you know, the picture is you, know, you and God are swapping the throne. But the reality is not that. The reality is you're actually on the throne of your life, but Jesus is around at the, at the time. But you're maintaining control of your life. Because if you maintain control of any part of it, you're actually maintaining control of your life. 
You understand that. It's not like, you know, I will submit as long as I like what you're asking me to do, because that's not submission. Submission is I will arrange myself under you and I will obey whatever you ask me to do. Now, do you think that if God had an army of Christians that were like that, who, who really were genuinely and truly and honestly in their hearts saying, I will do whatever you want me to do, I am your bond slave, that he could turn the world upside down? Without doubt. Without doubt. If we would just be in that place, God could take and God can turn the world upside down. But the problem for us is that we want to maintain control of our lives. Now, we, we, we understand enough to know that God is good for us and the things he asks of us are good for us. And so we go some of the way with God. But it would be interesting <clears throat> if we could go around and <clears throat> ask the Holy Spirit because I'm not sure you could each be honest about it, but ask the Holy Spirit that indwells each one of you, what's the cutoff point here, Lord? At what point does this person say no? Because he could tell you like that, couldn't he? But it'd be interesting. Now, by the way, a great thing for you to do, ask him, Lord, show me where it is. Show me where my cutoff point is. And not to justify it, make yourself okay with it, but understand, you know what? God says he wants you to present your body to him. He wants you to give yourself to him completely, lock, stock, and barrel. And when you shortchange him, when you give him only part, you frustrate the great thing God wants to do in your life and in his church and in his world. God wants it all. And the truth is, he will take very good care of what you put in his hands. But you've got to put it in his hands. You've got to put it in his hands. You've got to present it to him. All of it. <clears throat> then it says, a living sacrifice. Barnes says, a sacrifice is an offering made to God as an atonement for sin, or any offering made to him and his service as an expression of thanksgiving or homage. It implies that he who offers it presently, presents it entirely, releases all claim or right to it, uh, and leaves it to be disposed of for the honor of God. So he offers it, he presents it entirely, releases all claim or right to it, and leaves it to be disposed of for the honor of God. You know, that guy's prayer, Lord, make yourself famous at my expense. That's kind of right, right in the right place there. You know what that does, though? That switches Christianity from being about you and I to being about him. And that's a fatal flaw for us to actually make Christianity about us being happy. And we so often do. That Christianity is a new religion that's going to make us happy. But <clears throat> instead, what we're to do is we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We give it to him. Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want to do with my life, Lord, is okay. Use it for your glory in whatever way you see fit, and that's fine by me, Lord. But I know you'll take care of me in it, because he always does. That's a reasonable thing for him to ask. That's a very reasonable thing for us to respond to and to say yes. Now, let me just note this. <clears throat> it's a living sacrifice. You know, be one thing for us to give ourselves and die for him. In a sense, that's easy, because it's over and done. That's the ultimate in one sense, 
But it's easy in the sense that once you do it, it's done. But a living sacrifice is an everyday sacrifice. Lord, today my body belongs to you. What do you want to do with my body today, Lord? My hands, my legs, my eyes, my uh, mouth, all of me belongs to you. Lord, what do you want to do with me today? What do you want to use me for today? Now, let me pause and throw in a thought there. I think we can get, we can stumble in this area where we come to the place where, am I going to sit there all day and wait for what God wants me to do? No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, go about my day, but my reality is going to be, my heart is, or whatever you want. And the Holy Spirit's free to interrupt at any time and change the plan around and have you go in a different direction and do something else entirely. Because you belong to him. You're his. He can just step in at any point. <clears throat> he can, now, he can redirect you in bundles of ways. He can, he, can, he can speak to you and say, listen, I want you to do this. He can bring <clears throat> difficulties into your life that clearly are saying, let's change the plans. But you're in his hands. He's in control. And you're going to live for what he wants you to do. You know what? That goes against our grain. That goes against our grain right there. Because we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. But if we're living sacrifices, we're not. He's in control. Uh, God expects you as a blood-bought child to devote your life to him in one long sacrifice, daily, hourly. Our heart must yield as Jesus did. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Now, I, I need to keep throwing this in because otherwise it might seem really negative. He takes care of you in it. He takes very good care of you in it. The reality is, the faith is this. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Therefore, if I yield myself to him completely and let him have his full way in my life, he will take care of me in it. It won't be my way. It'll be his way, but it'll be better. Right? So understand that. He's not asking you to strap a bomb on on yourself and go blow yourself up. He's asking you to yield yourself to him and do it his way, and he will take care of you. He will look after you. So it's not my time anymore. My time is not my own. It's not my time. Now listen, does that mean you shouldn't schedule? No. But all your scheduling should have the Holy Spirit at the center of it. What do you want of me? And all your scheduling should be in the place where, listen, if he interrupts it with something he wants you to do, you do it. How often do we get to the place where we're doing something and, you know, we're on a roll and we're trying to make something happen and we're going after it and so on, and there's an interruption, somebody we need to speak to about the gospel, and we're kind of shaking it off because we're too busy. Now, listen, when the Holy Spirit is in control of your time, it's his time. Your days, your life are his. You're going to yield your time to him. Your time belongs to him. Um, Let me encourage you with this. Make God the center of your time. Make God the center of your scheduling. I would encourage you to spend much time with God in devotions. Don't don't let that be a tag-along in your day. Don't let that be something if I have the time. If you're just making your devotions something if I have the time, you know what? You're not being a living sacrifice. 
Because the truth is, you're doing a whole lot of other things. There's 24 hours in every day, and there's a whole lot of other things that you do. What you're doing is you're unconsciously making God second best. Listen, spend time with him in devotions. Listen, be in church. Yeah, there's three services a week. Be here in church. Just make a part of your life. You say, man, it's a lot. No, listen, <clears throat> I understand. But you know what? There's blessing in it. Be in church. I would encourage you to be in church. Make your time his time. Whatever he wants you to do. It's not about your comfort. You're a living sacrifice. It's about him. We prize our comfort, don't we? We live very comfortably in our day and age. We really do. We live very comfortably. And we want comfort. We prize our comfort. But, and there's nothing wrong with us having comfort. But it's not the main event. Hold it all loosely. Understand that at any moment God could take it from you, and that's fine. God could take it from you through sickness. That's fine. God could take it from you through financial reverse. That's fine. Understand. Listen, it's okay. You're in his hands. Yield it all to him. Remember, it all belongs to him. It's not about you and it's not about your comfort. By the way, if God were to put his hand upon you and send you off to some mission field, that'd be fine too. Where it wouldn't be comfortable, that'd be fine too. If God were to send you out to some mission field where ultimately you died serving him, that'd be fine too. Because you're a living sacrifice. You're his. You're supposed to do what he wants you to do. It's not my money. All of it is God's. <clears throat> All of the money's God's. It's not a case of, you know, if I'm a living sacrifice, then he owns me and he owns all that I have. It's not a case of me paying God his 10%. That's not the way it is. What it is is it's, Lord, it's your money. What do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with the money, Lord? And we live with an eye on him. What would he have us to do with the money? Because it's all his money. It's not my pleasure. It's not my plans. <clears throat> you know, everybody in this room has got plans for this week, plans for their lives, plans for what they want to achieve. But my plans don't matter. The, the truth and the honesty, the honest, the honest reality is I have no ability to fulfill my plans. I'm not saying I should sit around, you know, just waiting for something to happen. I'm supposed to plan. I'm supposed to work towards things. Right? But I'm supposed to understand this, that the plan is God's. God can do whatever he wants to do in my life. That's fine, Lord. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm yours. You can do whatever you want. It's not my rights. Don't we think we have so many rights? When our, when our rights are offended against, don't we get so offended? Because I have rights. I said, <clears throat> man, that didn't... That can, that, can that can touch you in the, on the nerve, can't it? But the truth is, Jesus sacrificed all his rights for you. We don't have rights. It's him. <clears throat> it's not my life. It's his life. Now, it shouldn't be for us, but it's radical truth. It's amazing truth. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to you. And I don't know about you, but it's something I need to keep bringing myself back to. Obviously, the decision is made a long time ago, but I've got to keep bringing myself back. No, no, no. It's not my life. It's his. It's not what I want. <clears throat> it's his. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm supposed to yield myself to him. 
Eric Harris and Dylan Claybold, the two shooters in the <clears throat> high school in Littleton, Colorado, uh, they entered the school property, whipping out automatic rifles and shotguns from under their black trench coats, went into the cafeteria and start, started shooting while screaming, all jocks must die. Then after a while, they went upstairs to the library, which was on the second floor of Columbine High School, and started shooting up there. As many of you know by now, they approached a young 17-year-old girl by the name of Cassie Burnell. Cassie was a beautiful girl who had long blonde hair all the way down to her waist. A couple of years earlier, she had been really confused and messed up. She had gotten into witchcraft, demonology, horoscopes, and the occult. But at youth camp, when she was 15 years old, she met Jesus and was born again. She was totally transformed. Two days before she was killed, she taped a video for her youth group uh, where she was looking into the camera, smiling and saying, I just couldn't live without Jesus. This beautiful little 17-year-old girl was so unselfish that she had decided just that week she was going to cut her beautiful long hair uh, and give it to an organization that made wigs for children with cancer and had lost their hair. Cassie was approached by one of the gunmen, and he pointed a shotgun at her and asks, Do you believe? Guy's got a shotgun, and he's holding it to you. Do you believe? If you say no, he takes the shotgun away and points it at somebody else, and you live. If you say yes, he's going to pull the trigger. And you're going to die. You know the issue? The issue is whose life is it? Is it your life? Or is it God's life? If that issue is settled, you know what? The choice is very easy. If that issue is settled, listen, it's his life. Of course I believe. And that's what she said. And he pulled the trigger and she was instantly in the arms of Jesus. But I wonder, is it that real for us? Is Christianity that real for us? Are we skimming along the surface of it? Or is it it actually real? Is it that our lives truly belong to him? I don't expect that anybody in this room is ever going to be faced with that choice. But you could. And if it happened, the issue would be, whose life is it? Is it mine or is it his? But you know this, many times every day, you're faced with the choice. Is it my life or is it his? Something you know he would have you do, but something you want to do. So you do that instead. Oftentimes it comes to us right in the area of sin. Temptation arises. The flesh wants it. Whose life is it? Well, it's mine. And you do what you want to do. It's his life. If that's real, it changes everything. It's not just the crisis moment when somebody puts a gun to your head. You live like It's not my life, it's his. You live looking to serve him and to do what he'd have you to do, not what you want to do. It also had to be holy. And when the Old Testament talks about a sacrifice and a holy sacrifice, the sacrifice had to be perfect. God would not take from them that which was 
worn out. It's kind of very easy, you know, if you were a shepherd and you had a weak lamb that wasn't going to make it anyway, well, let's sacrifice him. He's no loss. But God said, no, I want the best you got. I want the one without blemish. I want the one that's perfect. And here's the thing you understand. God doesn't want the leftovers from our lives. He doesn't want us, you know, to, you know, well, we're going to serve him someday. When we get the important stuff done. When we get the real deal of life sorted and out of the way, then we're going to serve him. God says, I want your best. I want you now. I want you with all the fire and fervor you can summon up. I want you to give your life to me completely in all its wholeness and in all its fullness and everything you've got. Not at some stage in the future when it suits you or when it's easier. You know what that's doing? That's giving him second best. He doesn't want you to serve him when you feel like it. He wants you to serve him today. He wants you to be yielded to him. Now, if we would take this seriously, for some here, it would radically change their lives. Things would be different. Jobs would be different. You know, things would be very different in our lives if we decided, listen, I'm going to make myself this living sacrifice. But for many of you, the outward circumstances of your life would remain the same. But your whole focus and motivation would be completely different. You would be living for him. You would truly be his hands touching the world. You would be going about your day and going about your work and going about your schooling and going about whatever it is you do, recognizing I'm his. I belong to him. It's whatever he wants. That's a living sacrifice. And I don't think it's, you know, a brain drain, you know, trying to stay in the place where, you know, he's, where you're in contact with him all the time. I think that's just becomes a natural way of walking in somebody's life. That you walk in step with him and he shows you what he wants you to do and you're able to do what he wants you to do because he gives you the power to do it. The, the, The issue before us is really this. It's a heart issue. It's a place we come to where we say, Lord, I'm giving myself completely to you. I'm not holding anything back. Or I don't even know what it all means. I don't know what you want of me, but I'm giving myself completely to you. I'm giving myself a living sacrifice to you. I'm yours. You can do whatever you like with me. Lord, you can make yourself famous at my expense. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Because I belong to you, Lord. When we put ourselves in his hands and we give him our best, and you know what? He will not fail to take care of what you put in his hands. He will not fail to take care of it. You put it in his hands, and he will take good care of it. You know, you could have a lot of money. And you could put it in the safest vault in the world. And there's still somebody that could break in and steal it. But when you put something in God's hands, there's no power on earth that can take it and do it damage. There's no power on heaven or on earth that can do it damage. When you put yourself in God's hands, he can and he will take care of you. The question is, will you by faith do it? 
You don't have to know all that it means. Will you by faith do it? Will you by faith say, Lord, I'm yours, whatever you want of my life. Just show me the way. Final phrase is, which is your reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service. You know, it's reasonable for us to do this. It's not unreasonable. It's not somebody firing you up and asking you to do something unreasonable and something stupid. It's the God who loves you, the God who gave himself for you, the God who has provided for your life and provided for your eternity and has given you his Holy Spirit to walk in you saying, I want you to give yourself to me. I will use you for my glory and I will take care of you. It's very reasonable. In fact, it's the most reasonable thing in the world. You can take your life and you can hold on to it for yourself, but ultimately you lose it because what you live for you doesn't count. Or you can take your life and give it to him and let him use it. And he will use it for his glory, take care of you, and then reward you for giving it to him. It's a very reasonable thing for God to ask of us. Let's all stand quietly to our feet. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. As we stand before the Lord today, and he, as he asks you, could you honestly say, I am that living sacrifice? God knows it. It's real. I am a living sacrifice. My life is such that I do whatever it is he wants me to do. I'm not perfect. I get it wrong sometimes. But that's my, that's my life. That's my heart. That's the set of my sail. I do whatever he wants me to do. Maybe you say, you know, I couldn't really say that. I couldn't really say that, but I want it to be so. I want it to be. And let me encourage you, God's always after our will. You'd say this morning, listen, Lord, I really want it to be that My life is a living sacrifice that I'm willing to do whatever you would want me to do. That's what I want, Lord. That's where my heart is. I want to do whatever. Now, don't do it lightly because God hears prayers. And God sees hearts and God knows the decisions we make. But if this morning you would say, Lord, I want it to be that I'm a living sacrifice, that you have your full way in my life, that Lord, you can do whatever you like in my life. If you would open the door and invite him in to do just that, would you lift your hand this morning? Amen. 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 See those hands. Amen. Amen. You can put them down. Let me just ask you one other question. Is there somebody in this room, and you've not spoken to anybody about it, but the Spirit of God has put his hand upon you and said he wants you in full-time service? That God wants you to yield yourself to him as a full-time servant, as a preacher, as a missionary. I don't know what, but God has put his hand upon you, and you've not told anybody about it yet, but he's put his hand on you, and he wants you in full-time service. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. See that hand? Amen. Are there others? God has put his hand upon you.
Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for these dear people and for hearts that you've moved in. And Lord, I pray that you would bless and that you would move in hearts. And Lord, that we would know your will and your way and that we would live an abundant life for your glory and for your honor. Lord, may it be you and all you and not us. In Jesus' name, amen.